Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. I live by this little mantra, don't seek opportunity, seek God and opportunity will seek you. I believe that seeking God is the solution to a thousand problems and we can't just seek Him second or third or tenth. We've got to seek Him first. Well, what does that mean? I think, first of all, just take it literally. What if we seek God first, first thing in the morning? I think that's the way you set the tone, set the pace, set the table for the rest of the day. Uh, Did you know that David actually hung a harp above his bed so that when the north winds would blow through the window, it would strum those strings and function as an ancient alarm clock while David would get up and he would study Torah until the break of dawn. I think in the same way, uh, Jesus would uh, get up early, go out to solitary places, and he would spend time with the Father. And so I think the challenge uh, this, this day is pretty simple. Seek God first first thing in the morning, make some time, even if it's five minutes of solitude, five minutes of meditation, five minutes of prayer, uh, seek God first. John chapter 12, verse 13. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is one of those passages where the scene is everything. The crowd is there, and this is Jesus entering into Jerusalem. It kind of reminds me of that scene, Muhammad Ali, when when he come into the room and he just hit, the champ is here, Uh, 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 uh. the champ is here. Known for his humility, he's a champion who introduces himself. Jesus comes and he doesn't have to announce himself because those that were desperate, those that were longing for hope, those that were longing for help, those who had seen what he could do when they saw him riding in on the donkey, they shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna! They started to grab palm branches and they began to lay him down because a king was entering into the city. Hosanna means, save us now, save us now. Maybe you're desperate. Maybe you you need saving. Today's a good day because Jesus isn't riding in on a donkey. He's reigning on the throne. And today's a good day to say, Hosanna, save me now, save me now. John 14, 6, and it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I feel like no matter who we are or where we're at in life, this verse uh, speaks to us because we've all been in a place before or we're currently in a place 
where we're looking for direction, we're looking for the way, we're looking for answers, we're looking for the truth, and ultimately we're all looking for life which means we're all looking for Jesus. But how often do we get distracted looking around us, looking at what everyone else is doing, looking at the news, looking at social media for our direction, for our truth, and for our life. And friend, I wanna encourage you that you will not find it there, but where you will find it is in Jesus. I promise you that if you just look to him, he will fill you with the way, the truth, and the life that he has for you. There's a verse in Psalm 145, it says, he opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. And friend, that's you and me, we're living, but we desire that life that Jesus has for us and it can only be found in him. So I just encourage you to look up, don't look around you today, but look at Jesus and be satisfied with the life that he has for you. Look to him for your answers and for the truth that you need. The verse of the day is John 1 29 and I'll be reading from the NIV. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You may remember that John was the cousin of Jesus, but he was also a prophet who would prepare the way for Jesus as the Messiah. So this was John's first proclamation about Jesus, and his choice of words is interesting. He could have called him a teacher or a healer, but instead he calls him the Lamb of God. In our modern day, that phrase doesn't really connect with us, but in those times, the people knew that lambs were used for sacrifices. That was a ritual that was performed over and over again. So John's bringing a new thought to a really familiar concept, but there was a difference. This time, this lamb named Jesus would take away the sins of the entire world forever. So for some of us, we may see our sins as obvious. And for others, we may see ourselves as good people and not really feel the gravity of what this verse could mean. But the fact is, any time we have missed the mark of God's standard, then we have sinned. But then the enemy will come in and try to tell us that we have to carry that guilt and that shame forever. And thankfully, that is not the case. Jesus, the Lamb of God, came to take away our sins once and for all. In John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How awesome is that? Like this is Jesus, God in the flesh, saying to you, I am a shepherd for you. Like a good shepherd for you. I, think about what a shepherd does for sheep. Leads sheep, guides sheep, protects sheep, feeds sheep, nourishes sheep, cares for sheep to the point where Jesus says, I lay my life down for you as my sheep. I gotta lay my life down. This is the gospel. Jesus has died for our protection from the judgment we deserve. Jesus has died so that we could have a relationship with God and experience all the guidance, leadership, love, care that we need in our lives. Oh, just think about every 
detail in our lives to know that Jesus is shepherding us, to know right now in your life that you can look to Jesus as a shepherd, you as a sheep, and you can trust him to lead you, guide you, direct you, help you in every single way you need. And he is indeed a good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. You look at Revelation chapter seven, we see that one day we're going to gather around the throne of Jesus in heaven, and we're going to praise him as our shepherd who has led us all the way to the end and into eternity. I encourage you today, trust in Jesus as the good shepherd of your life, as the one who has laid down his life for you as his sheep. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you, for me, and for every person, past, present, and future. It's sometimes easy to get lost in the enormity of who God is and his love for us. But don't forget he's talking about you. His word is a love letter pen just for you, right here, right now. He knows you by name, and he knew it while he was hanging on that cross. And it doesn't stop there. His love is not just personal, it's scandalous. Unconditional love goes against our worldly order of earning and deserving through life. It's a pattern of thinking we can easily fall into. We think, what can I do? What can I say or think to deserve God's love? And the answer is nothing. He needs nothing from us to love us. It's only up to us to receive it. And that's a daily practice. Jesus didn't die for us after our sinning ended, once we confessed it or even registered it, but in the very midst of it. While we were still sinners, he paid the highest price. That's the scandalous love of Jesus who put his own life on the cross for you and for me. And because of that, we get to live in the hope and freedom of his resurrection, fueled by the very same spirit he sows into our hearts today. That's something to celebrate, isn't it? Today, as you reflect on the words of Romans 5, 8, I encourage you to remember that his sacrifice is personal and his love is unconditional. Freely receive his grace and dwell in it. Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. Scripture says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Well, I don't know if there's a more pertinent scripture for the day in which we live. I think obviously Paul is saying here that we must ensure as followers of Jesus Christ that we don't buy into the cultural narrative that is full of gossip and slander and anger and chaos and outrage. Whatever we're doing today, in all of our social media interactions, in all of our interactions, out in the marketplace, at home, let's make sure that we are a people that walk in love, walk in grace, walk in kindness, and walk in mercy. We're going to have to make an effort to make sure that we don't hold on to bitterness or wrath or anger, and that we don't get caught up in gossip and slander or malice. Let's be a people that reflect the light of Christ in a very dark world.
In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we have one of the shortest verses in the whole Bible. Pray without ceasing. But this command to pray continually is only part of a sentence. In fact, it's part of a whole list. And this list also contains commands to rejoice always and give thanks in everything. You see, Paul is describing the daily heart posture of a Christian. God wants our hearts to be so dependent on him, so bent toward him, and so focused on him that every moment of our day carries with it a disposition of joy and need and gratitude. But why is Paul talking about this daily heart posture he wants for Christians? Well, it's because he has been talking about Jesus' second coming and how it affects our everyday life. You see, the return of Jesus is a huge topic in this letter. Jesus will return suddenly, like a thief in the night. But Paul says that this day should not surprise us because we have fixed our minds on the truth that Jesus is coming back for us. And it is that expectation, that joy and longing that fills our hearts each day while we wait for Jesus' return. It's that longing that gives us this heart posture that Paul describes. We will continually rejoice and pray and give thanks when our hearts are filled with expectancy for Jesus' return. The opposite can also be said. Why don't we have as much joy as we could? Why don't we go to God in prayer regularly? Why don't we give thanks in everything? Well, it's because we have our minds too fixed on this world and what it can give us. We have our hearts too set on things below. But as we eagerly anticipate the return of Jesus, how he will make his dwelling with us, raise us to life, and make all things new, the more we will learn to do what God asks us to do here, to pray without ceasing. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What great words of hope. There's a solution here. Do you hear it? But it said, submit yourselves therefore. What is the therefore therefore? That's because earlier in this chapter 4 of James, we see that James is showing us that there is a problem. The body of Christ, he saw that they were arguing, they were striving, they were fighting, not getting along. Even when they would pray and ask, he said they're not getting what they wanted because their motives were off, their hearts were off. And he attributed it to worldliness. And he said friendship with the world is hatred toward God. It's hostility toward God because the things of this world are not the ways of God. Worldliness to me is believing the devil's lie that we can get fulfilled and get significance from this life. And that's a lie. James told us earlier in chapter 3 verse 16 that where there is jealousy, where you have selfish ambition, in our hearts that those things are not from God, that they're earthly, they are unspiritual, they are demonic. So he said, where, you're, where you find jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every vile practice. So what do we do? What is the solution? It's right there in verse seven. We submit ourselves to God. We place ourselves under his authority and his lordship we repent we turn to him with all of our hearts and we resist the devil 
We're talking full surrender. He's Lord, we're not Lord. It's not our kingdom, it's His. So in what way do you need to submit to God today? How do you need to surrender and place it under Him? Let's not be of the world, let's be under God. The verse for today is found in Psalm 18 too, and it says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. In most Bibles, there's this inscription at the beginning of this Psalm that gives context to what the Psalmist is writing about. And in this case, it says, of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Reading the psalm reminded me of an infamous day in middle school. Uh, the first Friday of the first week of middle school in Brooklyn, New York, there's something called Freshman Friday. It is a horrific day. Uh, high school students from a nearby area would come over and pummel, beat up middle schoolers on that first Friday. It's absolutely awful. And I remember I got wind of this news of this freshman Friday. And so when the bell rang at the end of the day, I instinctively did one thing. I ran home as fast as I could into the arms of my father who lived just a couple of blocks away from the school. That was my automatic reaction. There was no other place I was going to go. When I read those words of David, I see something similar. When David found himself in great distress, there was one automatic reaction that he had to run to God. I wonder today, what's your automatic reaction to times of distress? And one thing is clear, where we go in our times of distress reveals the source of our trust. And so where are you going today? Are you running to drugs? Are you running to addictive behaviors? Are you running away from God? The invitation in this Psalm is very simple. In your time of great distress, may your automatic reaction be turning to God, turning to his word, turning to him in prayer. Why? Because God is our strength. God is the one who can sustain us. God is our shelter.